You are listening to the Keen Vision Podcast, produced by SalesforceDevOps.net. This is Episode 3, broadcast January 28th, 2022. From DevOps Heroics to Excellence, an interview with Ian Gotts of Elements.Cloud. Let's commit. Welcome, everybody, to the Keenan Vision podcast interview series. This week, we're talking to Ian Gotts, CEO and founder of Elements Cloud here in Northern California. And uh, Ian, tell us a little bit about uh, Elements Cloud. Uh, well, I guess it started uh, 20 years ago because we were customers then in, of Salesforce when it was just two people in the office in London. And we saw Salesforce grow from being what was a an SFA Salesforce automation platform to what it is now, a, a real enterprise platform. And as it's grown, mm-hmm. it needs enterprise tooling. And we're seeing that in the DevOps space. We're seeing that uh, a number of players there. And we recognize there's an opportunity in the business analysis space, all the things that happened before DevOps, that we needed enterprise-scale tooling there to really help customers accelerate right. their understanding about what's in the org, build a better build the better uh, applications, and most importantly, accelerate their time to value for Salesforce. Now, I think one thing that we have to concede about DevOps and the kind of enterprise application the delivery stuff that we talk about a lot is that it's pretty complex, really. It covers a lot of topics. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe how you got up to this perch of being able to understand some of the how to make these flows work yeah I, I think part of it though is that being old I've been around a long time and we were built I, I, you can remember when we were building uh, systems on mainframes the basic principles behind what it takes to build an application is you need to understand requirements you need to make sure that uh, you've understood the technology stack you then go and build it you do user acceptance testing and you deliver it now Right. That, that's become a lot easier with low-code applications, but the same basic principles need to be there. Um, and as you said, Salesforce is getting a lot more complex, not just the platform is more complex, but there are a lot, lot more moving parts. There are integrations to Slack, integrations to third-party applications, integrations to other platforms that Salesforce has acquired. We need to make sure all those stay mm-hmm. in step, and therefore DevOps can't just be, I hit a button and I'm now it's now in production, there, there are more implications. And, right. and I think that's where, if you just think about what it takes to, what release means, release is not just a line of code, it could be links to other applications, training material, there's a whole series of things we now need to release. And I think if you, you think about that broader picture about release, you understand why DevOps is no longer an, a, a small bit of software, it's actually, it's a discipline, it's an approach. And I think mm-hmm. Salesforce customers some of them are still at the heroics level of DevOps. They're doing the best they can, maybe with chain sets, uh, and they need to get to DevOps right. excellence. So I know you and I have got a, a, a session coming up, a panel session coming up in a week or two, where we're talking about DevOps excellence with some experts who really have reached that pinnacle. Right. And I think our, our job for all of us is to help people go through the journey to get to DevOps excellence. So there you're talking about, I think another way to classify what you're talking about there is high-performing teams that use DevOps as kind of an enablement or, or like a, a way for them to, to build up their practices. Is that where we're going? Yeah, well, I think there's, there's, there's DevOps principles, absolutely, and there's some DevOps processes. 
but then you need to underpin that with automation uh, as with everything. So you need the DevOps platforms that enable you to do that at scale accurately, quickly. Mm -hmm. And isn't there kind of like a collision between what we say is DevOps, which a lot of people think of as process and tooling and, and things like that, and agile management where you want to uh, think about how to manage a, a project with a scrum team or with uh, work items and things of that nature? No, I think they're the same thing. I think, I think the agile team have gone, don't worry, we can do things really quickly because we can miss stuff out. We don't need to do documentation. We don't need to do testing. Right. Uh, agile is about let's make the, the work items smaller so we can deliver them more quickly so we're more in, more in step with the business. In fact, agile requires great DevOps because actually if you want to do things quickly and accurately, you need a platform behind you which supports you. I mean, agile done manually is really hard. Agile done with great tooling, actually you genuinely can fulfill the promise of agile rather than the, the view of Agile, which is we got it going quickly because we missed stuff out, and then that will then catch up with us later. So Ian, I think a lot of people know you from uh, the Salesforce community. You've been around a little bit. <laughs> Something I'd like to know is how, when you were very young, how did you first get enchanted with technology? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've always been a uh, uh, really from the business and analysis world. I think on my first job in Accenture, I was involved in implementing systems, but from a business perspective. So we're looking at an ERP system. But it was pretty clear then that everything runs on technology. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have predicted where we are now. Maybe if I had, I would have bought Apple shares or Salesforce stock or whatever. But the point is, um, uh -huh. even then, back in 1986, it was clear the only way you were going to build I know, an air aircraft was by having an ERP system which had accurate bills of material and accurate data. Okay. That was the back office system. At that point, Salesforce was really in its infancy. We were using ACT and uh, our spreadsheets to manage customer data. Siebel was this big monster that uh, it was too expensive to maintain, too expensive to implement. Salesforce came in and really, they, well, they said, let's make it as easy as buying a book on Amazon. Let's make building, uh, building a CRM system as easy as that. And, and at that point, you suddenly went, hang on, I'm not. I'm no good at coding, but I can actually deliver stuff. And I think that if we just roll the right. ball forward 20, 30, 40 years, you think what people are now doing with low code. People with relatively limited oh, yeah. technical skills can now build fairly sophisticated systems. That that's the promise of technology. Now your your company um, uh, got an investment late last year, and I presume you've been growing uh, quite a bit. Um, what's I think we need to kind of confirm some obvious things that we notice around us. The Salesforce sales have been skyrocketing, so I presume you've been seeing a lot of interest from bigger companies and other folks trying to do digital transformations and big projects with Salesforce. Yeah, okay, so I mean, in the last two years we've been stuck at home. Uh, COVID has accelerated digital transformation for pretty much every company. Everyone was scrabbling to go, okay, we need an online presence. Salesforce was the obvious candidate there to say, well, to do that properly, you need all your customer data in one place. That's why, and I think that's a real driver for why customers have been adopting Salesforce. Yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is Salesforce has so much power now, the ability to connect to third-party systems. It's suddenly safe. It's suddenly the enterprise application. 
So I'm not sure if it, when Salesforce mm-hmm. was first launched back in 2000, Gartner's prediction was uh, it won't work. It will get killed. I look where we are now. It's now a <laughs> credible platform. Ha-ha. Absolutely. Incredible platform that uh, every brand name you can think of relies on. So absolutely. We're now at a point right. where big customers are relying on Salesforce, which is back to the conversation we started with, which is now they are re- they require enterprise-scale tooling for everything around the life cycle. Business analysis, understanding your org, development test, training, and then back up and then round that cycle. So why don't you give us um, just kind of like a little elevator pitch on uh, Elements Cloud? Okay, that's pretty easy. Um, it's very difficult to manage a Salesforce org if you don't understand it. So at the heart of Elements is the ability to very quickly uh, pull all the metadata out and then build a map of the dependencies, the impact, so very quickly you understand the org. Once you've got that in place, you can then start moving from heroics to excellence. So it's about managing the org better, doing better business analysis, making sure the user stories you pass to DevOps are complete, thought through. We have an impact assessment. We can do some view of assessing how much effort it takes. And then when it comes to delivery, we've got the training content there. So we're really trying to support that whole life cycle, but it starts with org discovery, whether you're a new admin, a platform owner who's trying to work out what's, uh, what's been implemented, or you're a consultant going into a new client. And, we, and we've got a huge number of consultants now buying a consulting license to go, and this is, right. plug it in, two minutes, an hour or two later, I've x-ray vision about what I've walked into in terms of the, uh, in terms of the client implementation. I think that's so powerful because there's no such thing in Salesforce to be able to get like a snapshot of the source code of the thing so that you could examine it. You really need these discovery tools and what I call metadata intelligence and and change management tools, change intelligence, uh, which is uh, Elements has been doing some leadership in that in terms of providing those tools to developers and to consultants. So I think that's great. What kind of customer is like a big like a, a big customer that comes in? Tell us a little bit about kind of why they hired you and what the onboarding and engagement process would be like. Okay, so I, I think our sweet spot is a, a customer who's got been used Salesforce the last at least three years, but we've had customers who've, who've had Salesforce for seventeen years. Uh, so you think how much development, how many different SIs have had a go at it, how much how much growth has happened there, and how little understanding about what's been changed. So <clears throat> onboarding is, and it could be a proof of concept to start with. But that proof of concept, well, let's let's connect elements to your org. Maybe it's a full sandbox, uh, maybe it's production, and that takes a couple of minutes. Then let's pull out all the metadata and let our engine go away and build the metadata dictionary build the impact analysis, build all the dependency trees. Uh, so at least you've got a starting point and then you've got a, you've got a snapshot or a view about what the org looks like. Um, and sometimes it's the first time they've ever seen it. It's almost like the first person who's ever been into an x-ray scanner and gone, wow, there's a small bee, there's a human inside me. No, no, that's your skeleton. Oh, is it? Oh, going <laughs> right. So sometimes it's the first time they've ever seen that. <laughs> they look at it and go, uh, why have we got 255 record types on account. I've no idea. Right. Uh, okay, but how many of those are used? That's the important question. Oh, right. Most of them aren't used. Great. Okay, so it's maybe not, not that big an issue. So a lot of this is actually really understanding what they 
how it's been configured, where the, where the errors of technical debt are, where the errors of risk are. I mean, everyone says technical debt's bad. No, it isn't. Technical debt is inevitable. Technical debt in an area which should never be changed is fine. Technical debt in an area we're trying to change all the time is an issue because it, it's, a, it's a cost. And if you can't tell the difference between those different areas, you start work and it blows up in your face or you overrun because you didn't realize how complex it was. So I think indexing the org, but then our dependency tree where you can click on it and go, okay, right, oh, that, fine, okay, that now is touched by those things. Wow, that's touched by, wow, okay, right. Now we've got a better handle on the implications of changing I know, that field or that flow. So if you think about sales forces mm-hmm. have got a big push at the moment to migrate everyone from process builder workflows and workflow rules across the flow. Right. Mm-hmm. The first question is, uh, which ones are even being used? The second question is, for those I've got to migrate, how long is it going to take? How complex are they? Well, we can tell you that. So you can decide I know, which, are the, which, one, which ones are heavily used, which ones you want to migrate most quickly. So again, it's just helping you navigate your way around the org, prioritize work, understand the risks. So that sounds like you're using um, your metadata database uh, to kind of help find anomalies and, and errors and then to help prioritize the work in terms of what needs to be cleaned up in order to implement a new feature or maybe just to uh, manage technical debt a little better or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. And quite often a customer has a specific, they want to implement CPQ, they want to implement a new cloud, they want to migrate, they want to merge two orgs. There are, there are, there are, people don't come to us and go, wow, that's interesting, I wonder what I could do with it. They want to do something and we're actually the tool right. that exposes it to make it easier reduces the risk makes it quicker well that that um is another question that i had which is why so why do they need you per se is it this cleanup aspect are they trying to do a brand new project or do they face regulatory concerns is it they're just trying to do it right from the beginning i i think it varies by customer i mean Every customer is, is there exploiting Salesforce, wants, has always got projects that they want, they want to create. It's a new cloud, it's migrating to uh, merging two orgs, it is uh, migrating from workflow to, to flow. There is a project there, no matter what that project mm-hmm. is, they need better visibility of the implications of making those changes. Uh, better that you find it right. in the analysis phase than you find it in development or in production. It, I, I mean, everyone's heard of shift left. Let's fi- let's mm-hmm. find the, let's find the, the problems early. So if we can expose an issue rather than finding it in production, many times cheaper. So it sounds like um, you know people who use Elements Cloud to essentially manage Salesforce correctly, uh, where maybe they haven't been managing it uh, uh, correctly before is that and I think that kind of dovetails or maybe the reason why that's happening is that you mentioned earlier how more and more Salesforce is being used to store critical data or to be the backbone of a digital of a digital transformation Um, is that so are some of these impetuses for better management coming from uh, let's say platform owners or other folks who are concerned with governance kind of like being higher up in the corporate structure? 
Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely true. I think when Salesforce is a, a fifth, five users in a corner, it's maybe purchased on someone's credit card by a by a, a line manager. But now it's strategic. It has a platform owner who probably reports up to the CIO. They're writing a relatively large check every year for Salesforce. They want to get the benefits out of it. Um, if we talk to a platform owner, they, they relatively quickly see the return on investment from Elements, and, and it's a relatively quick and easy conversation. So yeah, absolutely, and I think they are trying to get better value out of Salesforce. They want to implement things more quickly. I mean, think the term time to value, how quickly can I get the value out of the, the new features in Salesforce? Let's do it quickly, but safely. Awesome. I think that that leads me to another question, which you've been delving into for the last year or so, which is this idea of center of excellence um, offices, I guess, um, and how they exist within certain corporations and how they can, uh, how uh, executives and workers in those offices can can be of, value, of strategic value to their IT efforts. Why don't you maybe just kind of define a little bit what the center of excellence means and and some of these uh, projects that you've encountered. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the center of excellence was something, that's, I mean, it's not directly related to elements, clearly elements would support the center of excellence, but what we, we started talking to people, and what we discovered, and it was a shout out to Nick Ham and 10K Advisors, they did some research, and they identified those companies with the highest return on investment had a center of excellence, and it got us thinking, which is, okay, well, what, what does that mean? Now, what, is it, what are the, the components of a centre of excellence? And we started running a series of round tables and we got some centre of excellence leaders together. And at the heart of it, it's how do you, how do you implement or manage Salesforce better? But it, it's thinking of Salesforce as, yeah, that's, that's the technology, but there are so many other things around it that, you, that are required to implement Salesforce. Because Salesforce, you're not implementing Salesforce, you're implementing a business change, you're implementing, I know, a new way of working, you're implementing something and making changes because of governance. So really a centre of excellence is the other work streams that go around the technology. Yes, standards, mm. yes, effective mm -hmm. testing, yes, tools, but also some of the more critical things such as leadership, uh, strategic direction, uh, a change control board. So it's really putting the, uh, the, the people and technology infrastructure around the project to make sure that, again, getting the return on investment from Salesforce, making sure that we're not breaking compliance, making sure that we're delivering on the return on investment store, uh, um, calculation that was that funded the project. Uh, and as I said, we're seeing that those people who have a center of excellence in place, they've got those disciplines in place, which means that they are, I mean, doing it properly is unfair, but they've actually got the right mechanisms in place to be able to deliver the sort of value that Salesforce can offer. Whereas before, maybe those centers of excellence were only, uh, in terms of software systems, they only looked at maybe other ERP platforms or something of that nature. But now Salesforce has been elevated to that level of consideration because it's, it is now strategic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember talking to uh, one of the guys who was in GE, and they had you know, 20 or 30 center of excellences for the different practice areas. So yeah, Salesforce has suddenly become important enough to, to warrant that. Uh, I, I think I, I, I mentioned it earlier. We're trying to get people from heroics, which is they're doing it, but it's just an enormous amount of effort. People are like, 
working late nights, they're doing whatever they do to, to make sure stuff gets delivered because they are diligent, they they care. But we need to get to a point where it's excellence, where it's it's, it's never going to be easy, but it's repeatable, we're getting better value, uh, people are actually feeling valued in terms of what they're doing. And I think that journey from heroics right. to excellence is actually a journey people people's uh, career paths will actually get taken up in an upward trajectory as well. You go from an admin who's fighting chainsets every day and fighting broken orgs through to being like, part of a team, part of a set of excellence team. But that's a very different career tra- trajectory. It's the route to platform and it's the route to CIO. So I think it's, let's not just think about Salesforce as a product. Let's think about the ecosystem and the fact that there are everyone in the ecosystem, there's a journey or a career path that they could choose to take, which takes them to be like, more senior, more responsibility. Um, and it's always clear that the uh, uh, the bigger problems you solve, the more you get paid. So as a, a platform owner is getting paid more than, than, a, than a junior admin, and I think many people aspire to actually make that make that growth. It does seem like um, a DevOps or um, uh, you know a delivery uh, person is kind of is at the culmination, perhaps, of their career when they're they've they've done a lot of different things and and kind of learning how they all work together and put them together as part of part of the skill set for a senior person in the space yeah i i think you could become a platform owner or cio through the technology route i through devops you could come through the business route from a business analyst through as an architect and there are different routes through there but i think mm-hmm. if you get to the level of platform owner, you need to understand the entire life cycle you need to understand what it takes to i know uh, take a goal, turn it into a requirement, turn it into a user story, but then you need to understand what it takes to drive DevOps effectively, uh, what it takes to drive change management in terms of the hearts and minds of end users and then drive adoption. See, you've got to have that purview across the whole area because that's what it takes to go for time to value rather than time to implement, which is very different. Now, I get a lot of questions about um, how do I get into DevOps or how do I switch over to DevOps, um, and I know that you you like to talk about uh, a, a real solid role that's that's happening in Salesforce now, the, the business analyst role and, and how that's important. Uh, do you have any advice for our listeners about how to be smart in their careers right now and how to uh, take advantage of some of these trends? I think the, the first thing is you need to be clear about where you want to get to. I and mean, I think it, it's it's easy to go to go into work every day and you get you do a great job, but actually if you don't know where you're aimed, you don't know which mentors to uh, to, to pick up along the way. You don't know what what training to get. You don't know, and then when you have career decisions in front of you, it's difficult to make those decisions. So I've always thought about uh, the career around sort of five different aspects, which is sort of. And I talk about that. I wrote an article called Send the Elevator Back Down. I think it's our job to send the elevator right. down. We, I mean, we've, between us, we've got probably more experience than we know what to do with in terms of, of DevOps in systems implementation. And again, that's why we write books. That's why we're on podcasts. That's why we're writing articles. So I wrote an article called Send the Elevator Back Down. <clears throat> and it looks at sort of the five different dimensions of, if you look at your career, I mean, business, skill set. Salesforce, uh, industry, right, and you need to look at each of those different aspects. It's no good going. I know everything about Salesforce, but I actually don't know anything about an industry. 
Um, yeah, I work in the financial services industry, but I don't know any of the acronyms. I don't really understand how it works. Okay, that's going to keep you pinned in the Salesforce admin job. To become a move to a platform owner, you need to be able to have a conversation with business. You need to understand how that industry works. Um, you need to have, think about a discipline. Okay, are you great at sales ops? Are you great at service? So you can think about the different dimensions of your career. <clears throat> and then if you want to then plot where you want to try to get to, you can start to look at it and go, well, I'm great here. Getting more badges isn't going to make a difference. I need to spend more time you know, understanding the industry. Or I need to understand this. Okay, I'm going to focus on, on the service world. So therefore, I need to really understand how, how the world of service works, what processes happen. So if I think if you've got a direction, it makes life easier because then you can start to make decisions. You can think about you know, what career steps you would make, what training you want to do. And then I think most importantly, which mentors you pick up. The Salesforce ecosystem is amazing. You ask people for help and they give it. You ask for people to go, right. could you spend half an hour with me talking about stuff? People are happy to give that time. They're really good at sending the elevator down. <clears throat> but if someone came to me and said, can you help me manage my career? The answer is no, because I don't know where you want to go. If you know where you want to go, I can help you get there. But if you say to me, like, what shall I do? The answer is, I have no idea. You've got to make those decisions for yourself and set a, a north star, if it was, a direction. And after that, then things start to fall in place. Now, you've, um, th is this a blog article on the Elements uh, site? Yes. This particular? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So people should all refer to that because Ian, uh, I saw Ian present this topic at uh, Tahoe Dream Inn, and there's a very nice uh, graphic where you can kind of plot, literally plot yourself as to uh, like which areas you're good at, what your strengths are, and, and how you can maybe f focus just for you because everybody's, everybody's individual and special in this. So I think that that's fantastic. And I, I think it does point out um, another maybe entry, because entry level is always tough for people because there's a lot of entry levels. Uh, and maybe this uh, business analyst uh, role is good for, for folks because if you have that domain expertise, this is what we really need. Uh, to to be able to analyze businesses, so so I, I I hope more folks think about that because we need that connection between what's going on between the developers and the governance or you know what what you really want to do because I think one of our mottos here is you want to build the apps that you need right yeah absolutely build the right thing and then which is all about what we call change intelligence business analysis build the right thing and then DevOps is build the thing right. <clears throat> so the two two go hand in hand, and I'm I'm really excited that Salesforce is putting a lot more energy behind business analysis and architecture. Some of those upfront skills that are required before you start building. I mean, in the early days, Salesforce's conversation was right. Let's build an object. And the answer is no, 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 no. Let's understand and have a conversation with some users about what we actually need to do. Let's architect right. it, and then let's build it. Um, yeah, I love the enthusiasm Parker Harris had at uh, the architect oh, yeah. session. Yes. Uh, this this uh, this last Dreamforce, I think uh, uh, he says we need a lot more of you, and it's 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 so true. It's so true. We need uh, it, it, we need more people to understand more systems and how they work together. Yeah, and the fact that Parker's taking a, an interest 
Uh, I mean, he's got a great team led, led by Zane Turner there in the Arctic group, and they're, they're creating some great content. This is Anna Saint-Germain, Mark Braga are out there evangelizing. Uh, Salesforce diagrams there, we've, they've now built a standard, so it's no longer, you do need to do architecture, they're actually leading from the front. And the fact that Parker is taking a personal interest it is fantastic because it's actually giving some real momentum behind that. Um, again, and getting an architecture certification is not, not, not easy. I mean, there aren't that many people who've got it. Uh, again, and, and it's good. It's good that it's, that it's, not that it's difficult, but it's good that it's rigorous because that gives a, a level of uh, validation that if you are, if you're a certified architect, then actually, yes, uh, you've done the work, um, you've got the chops. Excellent. Well, we're running out of time here in our in our podcast, Ian. And so before we go, I wanted you to to just uh, give our our audience a um, some more, a little pep talk on why you should be looking around for tools and ways to make your life better uh, in Salesforce. Well, I think the point is that Salesforce is now an enterprise application. Um, it's absolutely the place to be in your career if you're in the technology career. I mean. Uh, hook yourself to a rocket ship and Salesforce is definitely that. But as Salesforce becomes more strategic, then tooling like change intelligence, tooling like DevOps are going to be a critical part of that. And I think if you're going to be on this rocket ship, not understanding what those things mean and not understanding the power of those tools means that you're going to miss out. And like, even if you think, oh, my, my Salesforce instance isn't very big, there aren't very many users, there is a Salesforce account exec somewhere determined to make your account bigger and strategic. So uh, uh, <laughs> every customer is, is looking at using Salesforce more, and therefore all of us can be brought dragged along by that. But I think it, it's important that we all stay current. We understand what DevOps means. We understand what change intelligence, what business analysis means, what org discovery. Some of these terms have been thrown around. If you're an audience listening going, right. no idea what those mean, those are going to be as common as CRM or as common as record type in the future, and you need to understand what those things mean. Excellent. That was an excellent pep talk, Ian. Yeah. So I'd like to thank Ian Gotts, CEO of Elements Cloud, for our great interview today. Well, thank you so much for having me along. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Keenan Vision Podcast. You can get more information about Elements Cloud from their website, which is https colon slash slash elements.cloud. You can reach Ian Gotts on LinkedIn by his username spelled I-A-N-G-O-T-T-S. Please come visit the salesforcedevops.net website and sign up for email notifications of significant updates. Thanks to 10 Ton Chicken for the music, which is available on iTunes. Also, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review about how we did on this podcast. See you the next time.